0: beautiful welcome to season two of the africana woman podcast my name is chulu your host and i can say it your chief nosy parker into people's lives (laughs) guys don't leave me hanging i know i'm not the only one who wishes i was a fly on someone's wall i have always had a fascination for cultures of all kinds even now in my 36 years of living I sit and look at people thinking oh, I wonder how they live how they interact what they eat what they do for fun like oh. okay but I'll tell you what nothing can beat being an African yeah I love being an African queen from our foods our music art hair fashion and traditions there is just so much to celebrate and yet On the flip side, there are things in our culture that make us uncomfortable or feel uneasy. Do you remember being a child and questioning an adult about why something is done a certain way? More often than not, you were dismissed for questioning the culture, right? The answer sounded like, that's just how it's done. Or keep quiet. (laughs) Yet I wonder... Is culture so rigid that it cannot change or evolve? Who are the gatekeepers of culture, please? Who are they? And who determines what is relevant and what is outdated? Personally, I like to think that as a collective, we have the power to sift out the parts we don't like, whilst preserving the parts that we do need. But to achieve this delicate balance, it requires having an open and honest conversation about culture. So on the Africana Woman podcast, it is vital that we know our roots. Our roots are the unseen source of our strength, knowledge and beliefs. They are the things that anchor us so as we do not fall over. However, it is easy to take them for granted because they are hidden from our sight. But guess what? Our roots are the heart of our culture. Every week, I ask an African woman to invite us into her home, to give us a snapshot into what happens behind closed doors. And we talk about all the nuances and complexities of our existence as an African woman in whatever space we occupy. We may not come up with the answer for world peace, (laughs) but we are certainly raising your awareness of your cultural view. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. I'm not going to lie. It may become uncomfortable sometimes. However, I encourage you to push past your unease and challenge yourself to think differently. The simple act of expanding yourself to receive the unknown may be transformational for you. So let's do this. This is season two of Africana Woman with Chulu podcast. Yeah! I'm so excited. Our first Afrikaner woman is Paula Rogo, a true light from Kenya. Paula is an award-winning journalist turned media entrepreneur who specializes in podcasting within Africa and emerging markets. She is currently based in Nairobi. She is the CEO of Kali Media, host of I Have No Idea What I'm Doing podcast. Listen. If you're just starting a business you need to listen to this podcast it is very insightful all right check it out i have no idea what i'm doing paula is also the co-founder of africa podfest now listen i know she won't say it herself but i will hype my girl up hey because she has a very accomplished career Having worked for power media houses like Reuters, PBS NewsHour, Essence Magazine, Christian Science Monitor, US Today and Ebony, yes girl, I'm here for it. She is ripping the continent and I love it. Okay, please enjoy this conversation that I have with Paula Rogo. Catch you on the other side. Welcome to the Africana Woman
1: podcast sorry i didn't drop you i was so shocked i was like oh she's like she knows my resume there's some (laughs) i appreciate the research thank you (laughs) and that introduction that was amazing thank you for having me
0: i'm so excited now i know you um and not are usually on the front end, you know, and all, like, you know, people asking you questions, but I'm very excited that you're here just to share your wisdom and all the amazingness that is Paula Rocco. And let's get started. So <clears throat> my first question, uh, Paula, I know you've had such a, an amazing, um, Uh, journey through life you have lived on numerous um, continents and you know had different education experiences and work as well so then my question to you is why Kenya why are you now based in Kenya because I know that when you were a child you spent that was probably where you spent you know the least amount of time but then you have found yourself back on the continent and i wanted to start there
1: yeah why kenya because i'm kenyan i've always been kenyan first so i was i was born in sweden but i have no connection to that country other than filling out official documents really and my parents are kenyan and we moved to the us from kenya when i was 12 13 about, and then I moved back uh, over, you know, almost twenty years later. I'd say I'm trying mm-hmm. to do the calculations of how old I was. I know, <laughs> close to twenty. And yeah. um, and for me, even while I was in the US, it had always been home for me. I, in many ways, you know, when it comes to identity, it's the first place that I say I am. Um, mm-hmm. And so. It just made a lot of sense to move back, and I think also if you're someone who have been in the diaspora for a long time, there's a hunger, and maybe even a sense of the grass is greener on the other side, um, sense of Africa, and mm-hmm. uh, and you need and it's important I think if you've been abroad for a while to try come home and and even if you end up going back, come home and see what mm-hmm. that is like. So for me, that came a couple of years ago, I decided to move back to Kenya and make my home here. And this is home at least for now. So I am I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm made that decision.
0: Yeah, I know. Um... Certainly I've had experience you know living abroad and you know many of the of my african friends that I came in contact with had a hesitation to come back to the continent and come back to africa so i wanted to find out from you what are your why do you think there's that hesitation
1: right i think i'm lucky enough that i'm a us citizen so mm-hmm. for me i always knew if i didn't like it i could always go back And sometimes going back, the option of going back, wherever back is abroad, is not open to you once you move back to Africa. And I understand not knowing, especially if you've been there for a while, what will be here? Because we definitely have a huge, huge expectation of what Africa will give to us. And sometimes it can be a little disappointing, depending on what your expectations are, because we put a lot, I did at least into the, the image I have of what it would be like to live here, having dealt with racism and all mm. the what deals with on the other side. And so I understand sometimes the hesitation also depending on what country you're from and what it means to come back as well. I'm, you know, when my family moved to the U.S it a lot of people move to move forever this is their lives moving back and we moved because of my dad's job so it was always to us temporary come here Mm -hmm. for work home is Mm -hmm. here and we've been lucky enough where kenya is a country where i can move back to which is not always the case for a lot of people depending on where they're from and and it's it's not a hard transition in that we my family still very much kept a base here and i have you know, friends here that I kept close with. So it was not that difficult. But I also understand I have similar friends who who had had similar mindsets as the ones you were talking about. So I understand.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell us about your experience moving back, though. So you moved back as an adult, and then you moved back to be an entrepreneur, start a business. What was that journey like? And I mean, you're still in it, I guess.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was crazy. I think, what? Even though I look back, I was like, ignorance is bliss. Because if mm-hmm. I knew what I do now, I don't know. <laughs> if I would it's hard. And um, and I'll be honest, my experience, I would love to say that my experience moving back home was was butterflies and mm. and delight, but it's been a very, very hard transition for me, which was also a disappointment for myself. Mm. Because I really saw myself as Kenyan, and so of course okay. I could transition well. But when I moved here, I realized, "Oh wow, Paula, you are really American!" Woo. Mm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you'd mentioned, I lived I lived in Kenya from when I was three to I guess twelve, so that was nine years. Why is math not working today? So yeah, my. <laughs> My end of the day. That's my mind all the time. <laughs> end of the day. Um, and then I was in the US um, for a very long time, also with periods of times in other places. And so, um, so in many ways, I'm more American or more mm. other than I am actually Kenyan. And that was a disappointment for me to mm. discover, uh, mostly because it was a bit of an identity crisis. Is if I'm not Kenyan, which I've always held so strongly to, who am mm. I? and so forth um, and so and so I struggled with that um, and then also just the struggles of just being adult when you move back making friends is not as easy can someone give me a guidebook about making friends in adulthood and then making yeah. in adulthood in a new country as well because mm-hmm. it was new my Kiswahili was terrible I thought it was better than it was so you know it was just a lot of hard Mm -hmm. adjustments i had to make i thought wrongly that entrepreneurism would be easier than it's been it's been extremely Mm -hmm. hard and and it's all these and so um so it's been a very hard experience but one i i wouldn't change because there's just so many lessons i've picked up about mm. myself and life that I only Kenya could have given me. So
0: Yeah. Okay, let's just dig a little bit into some of the things that you, you pointed out. So, you know, when you're talking about the interactions you have with people and um, you know the community where you are, do you feel accepted? What is what has, you know, the response been? Do they say, oh yeah, she's yeah, she's Kenyan.
1: Like you know, like. it's so funny you ask me that because I used to care about things like that when I was younger, but I've never, I don't think I care anymore if people accept me, to be quite honest, I am who I am. I did used to struggle with that when I would meet Kenyans in the u s because mm. where um just the where I was, I wasn't meeting a lot of Africans or even Kenyans a lot. And so, and so, as I moved into university, Um, suddenly there was a lot of Kenyans and I was so excited to connect with them and I struggled with that a little Mm -hmm. so I was always worried about how can I be accepted and then I think because I just wasn't (laughs) I stopped caring as much anymore and just worried more about meeting people who I'm on the same wavelength with whether they're Kenyan or not luckily Mm -hmm. I met great Kenyans who I've had same wavelength with but I think as someone who's just moved around quite a bit I I I more I just look for who is a cool person. I'm weird. I'm really weird and quirky, and I'm a nerd. And and you know, and I'm I mess up a lot in terms of social cues. So if you're someone who is similar or can accept me as me, then we can roll. If not, Mm -hmm. changes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, um, you know, especially as you came back to Kenya in an entrepreneurial role, what was it like building um, your network? Because I think in Africa, you know, your social currency needs to be like on point.
1: Yeah. And especially coming from the U S where you, yes, you have to be well networked, but my work ethic and my resume or whatever can, can carry me places. And for a long time I came and I was like, um, I had no network. Like I had a network, but it was not tiny compared to people who've lived here their whole lives. I was really starting yeah. to work and that was extremely difficult. I struggled with also taking advantage of my parents' network because I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. Whereas you just have to use whatever gateway you can to connect with people. Um, So it was but and I'm also not the most social person. I can go days by myself and be very, very (laughs) good. (laughs) I don't need to see people. Um, So um, it was a struggle but um and i had a lot of doors slammed in my face or well, just not taken seriously i okay. also think um there was this this perception of there's this perception which i tried not to fall into that people who come from abroad think they're better or know uh, more than local mm-hmm. and i can i actually see people doing that mm. and um and I, I, I wore, I made sure I was really kind of particular about not coming off that way, um, but it, over time you connect with people and it grows. And I, and honestly, I'm not the best networker, so I don't even know if I should be answering this question because it is a, it's a muscle to keep networking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if if networking was like working out, then she hasn't been to the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Start talking about laughs> and um, but but what it is, is when I need to meet a person, I make mm-hmm. it happen. And okay. in a professional setting, I'm great. But when networking, which also involves a lot of socializing, which is not necessarily my forte or my interest. A lot of the time I've struggled in that sense. But I think I'm making efforts here and there yeah. together,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, w- I guess I want to find out from you, you know, you earlier you said that when you came to Kenya, you found you actually realized like, whoa, I'm actually quite American. Like, what are some examples you can give of, you know, of what made you say, okay, there's a bit of a difference here?
1: Yeah. <sighs> I think it's just mindset in mindset Mm. of how one would approach anything. I'm trying to think of like a good example. I really feel it's as simple as if we were crossing the road, you would look left and right and I would look right and left. It's really that way of how you approach things. Um, A basic one is I'm always extremely on time. Uh, always extreme, But I don't know if that's, again, is that an American thing? Because uh, everyone was late. So I don't yeah. know. Um, the I'm interested to email, 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 email over phone calls, mm-hmm. um, working all the time, you know, after five is still working. Weekends, Sunday is still a work day for me and understanding people's boundaries around yeah. that. Simple things like that, um mm. most uh, the most basic examples I think I can give you, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I, you know the the time thing, I feel like you know, I, when you're abroad, you you really cannot afford to not be on time. Like time is, is of the essence. And I think, um, you know, however long you stay there, you work there, you get that drummed into you. And coming back, I find that that is a, a challenge for a lot of people that come back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And being late is okay. Life happens. But for me, it's like, if I know I'm running late 20 minutes beforehand, you will you an communicate. hour will communicate. Mm-hmm. You know when you're going to run late. And, and sometimes just communicating, the other person can adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for me, what is I've struggled with is the lack of communication. So it's five minutes after, and then you're like, I'm running yeah. late. Or sort of the laxical. Am I still on? The laxadaisical. You know, like, yeah, I was late, no big deal. Energy is what I struggle with a little as, I as know. I'm a type A and my day schedule like this. Oh, like um, I could have but I've gotten used to it. I, right? Or there's something else coming up after this, and I to yeah. be late for that. Yeah. But I don't know, if it's fair to say it's an African thing. I get I get worried about mm. I get is is it? Because Africans were on time, but you know, we well, you know what? The majority of I'd say it's an 80% running. African
0: thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Try to be nice. 80, maybe even 90. We can even high. Yeah, <laughs> like somewhere there.
0: <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> a little. I guess whilst we're still on this, what are your views on the practicality of adopting? Um, foreign you know business practices and you know work ethics and all of that and then you know adapting them into when you you know when you return back to your home country and you know you want to start a business how has that worked out for you
1: i think because of the work i do and because the world is global you need isn't you need these practices feel foreign, but they're actually just general basic international (laughs) decorum around business, I think. And it's funny. And there are people who hire specifically for that. Like there was um, a company that I did consultancy for when I first moved back where it was a recruiting company and they only hire people who have worked abroad. That was their thing. And the backlog of people of companies looking to hire these people was extremely high. And I, mm-hmm. I when I first came back, I was like, it's unfair, just because you've been abroad doesn't mean that you should be hired before a local mm-hmm. trained or a local educated person. And I, I, but then also I understand why some companies go for foreign trained employees, because mm-hmm. there's just sometimes, And I I hate to say this, but sometimes there's just a way one moves, one does business, one thinks, one gives feedback, one communicates that just it cannot be taught or there's no time Mm. to teach, that sometimes one picks up outside, unfortunately. Mm. And outside can mean many things. Uh, It can be Tanzania. I don't know. It can be, (laughs) it can be, it doesn't have to be far away for it to be outside. I just think even if a little experience abroad working can drive some of those things home. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you call yourself, you said you mentioned that you were a late bloomer. And I'd love for you to expand that for us. What does that mean to you?
1: And I still think I'm a late bloomer. I think mm. when it came to school and work, I've always been a superstar. <laughs> but then when it comes to sort of social social cues and so forth, I've always, for me, that's what I mean, late bloomer. Things that tended to come very easily to other people um, were slow for me because I was always in the books. <laughs> I wasn't out <laughs> socializing as one, That's that's important in life to do um and so and so i've always felt like i was just uh, especially once i was outside the classroom or outside the workplace i just always felt that i was a little behind um Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people who know me and perhaps might see me as like someone who is quite successful or has achieved a lot might be surprised by that but Mm -hmm. that's just always how i felt like i'm just always a little behind and I've been feeling that a lot lately with um because I chose entrepreneurism and entrepreneurism sometimes can have very very slow returns and um and I'm and when I'm looking at my peers they're like getting married and kids and buying a house and Ooh, if you can, you know, this is, they're doing those things and I'm so far away from that, which also adds to my feeling of like, I'm still chasing as well. That's more of a recent feeling of things mm. me at this point, but I've always felt like a late bloomer.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm. So what would your advice be to somebody who does feel like a late bloomer? and just doesn't feel that they are um, at the same stage as their friends?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the conversations I was having with a lot with my best friend recently is like, what is our definition of success? And um, because because in life there's markers. I guess there's markers yeah. in which you used to see if you're on track in school it was easy it was like standard one standard two you know and Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. you graduate and then it's like first job whatever and then after a while the markers get a little blurry in terms of timelines Mm -hmm. and so um and so you could be pursuing different things from other people but you it i it's easy to look for what are the things we all have in common that are markers of where you are in life And when I was speaking to my best friend recently, it was around like, what is considered success? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of my mark, what the markers I'm looking at are markers for if I stayed in the US, and if I stayed in sort of a nine to five, Mm -hmm. even if I did entrepreneurism, it would be entrepreneurism in the US, things like that. And so it's just like, there was no chance for me to even compete with, with those. And then what what does then success mean for a life where you've taken the road less traveled, per se? Mm -hmm. And that's a little harder because it has to be defined by you. And which is Mm -hmm. as someone who has always sort of looked outside for approval from other people in society. That's really hard for me to figure out. But if you can figure out for yourself as a late bloomer, then really, you're not a late bloomer. You're just Mm -hmm. you're right on time. And it's easier for me to give that advice to people than to take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, so what's your definition
0: of success, ma'am? Oh, I don't know. I think
1: I'm really still working on that. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say I knew what it was. I'm really struggling with defining that for myself and i think that's what 2021 is for me finding the clarity of what success means for me i think it i think independence is a part of it and a level mm. of freedom is mm-hmm. a part of it how that shows up to me i've yet to decide um yeah and I, I let me just say at least those those two things is what i can
0: at least say yeah Yeah, yeah. So um, I know 2020 was a rough year for everybody. Everybody had a rough year, but you described it as a point where you reached rock bottom in your business. So tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Uh, Legally, I can't really go into the details. Okay, all right. Which tells you a lot but it was just the worst year and it wasn't necessarily it was on all levels financial mm. everything was just rock bottom and um and it was extremely difficult to the point where i think i was like okay Kenya i'm done see ya going to the us and let me go where covid seems to be thriving kind mm. of and um And part of rock bottom is, is, is part of rock bottom is, is reaching a point because whenever anyone starts a business, you have high expectations Mm -hmm. and of course only success, of course, and for things to not work out, however I planned was just extremely humbling Mm -hmm. and when you're at rock bottom, and I, I don't use that word lightly, rock bottom. Mm-hmm. It really was bottom of the dregs. the what comes with that is loss of self, loss of confidence. Those I has dealt with a bout of depression, had to go to therapy, um, lost friendships, um, money. You know, there's just a lot that goes around with with that work with with that.
0: Mm.
1: And, and so it was extremely difficult. But what I can say now having been on the other side of that, not fully recovered, but definitely not at rock bottom is that rock bottom is a blessing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: honestly, because it strips you of all everything that you might hold on to that defines yourself. Because you're so mm-hmm. humbled by it that you all you can do is just let go of things. And when you're at the bottom, the only way to go is up.
0: <laughs> That's true. Ain't that, <laughs> that so,
1: <is> the truth? <laughs> even better, you get to decide how you move up and out of rock bottom, because again, everything mm-hmm. is stripped of you. So it's like, what do I want? How am mm-hmm. i moving forward? What are the lessons I need to take from this so that I don't run into this ever again, because I never want to be there again. And if I if it happens, it happens. But I will do my damnness not to get to that level. Mm-hmm. And 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 so the life I'm now building after that, there's legit before 2020, BC, BC and AD for me, like for was <laughs> <That's laughs> my lifestyle. Yeah. Also, in terms of how I take care of myself, my health, mm-hmm. what's important mm-hmm. to me, what matters. Um, Yeah, those are just that's what rock bottom means to me today. But I'm Mm -hmm. also excited about speaking about this in six months or a year's time, because then I know where where I'll have blossomed into or not bumped into Mm -hmm. again. Life, this life will be completely different than it is today. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, when. Like you said, when we start businesses, we're always thinking about, oh, it's gonna be amazing. Everybody's gonna love it. It's gonna blow up and it's gonna be amazing. But when you do reach rock bottom, like you've described, you've described the emotions behind that and you know, just the process of um, what you, you went through or are going through. And I, I, want to, I would like to find out from you, what tools did you use to not stay at the rock bottom, you know what I mean? Because I think when people um, find themselves in, let's say, dire situations, um, they get trapped in that depression and then it's just like a cycle. It's like, but how do you come out of that? How do you at least take a step to not staying there and having hope for something better?
1: It's step-by-step. It's not like you wake up one day and say, hey, I'm ready for better. It's just Mm -hmm. step-by-step. I think for me, I realized I couldn't do it myself. I needed help. And I'm not someone who asks for help ever. So like, there were phone calls even to friends and family where I was like, I kind of need you to step in because I can't, sorry. Because I can't figure this out myself. I needed to get professional help. And I know... Mental health and therapy is like a thing, the big thing here in, in at least in Kenya to talk about and people struggle with. And I was lucky enough to be able to afford um, accessing professional help, but really it was more like I need people in my life to help me get back up because there was a period in time where I was like, I'll figure it out, but I could not figure it out mm. at all. Mm-hmm. and depression shows up in some so many ways. There's some people who are depressed and they can still function. I was getting to that stage of non-functioning. So I was mm-hmm. like, someone needs to pull me out of the bed and put me out of the door in order to show up. And, you know, and I'm extremely independent. I don't, and I don't have children and my partner, um, at the time, was long distance. And so it was easy for me to be by myself, even though I had family, like my parents and siblings, but they were not near me. Um, and so there were just people I had to just sometimes you just have to notify people because people don't know. Everyone, was, hey, 2020, everyone was going through their day day stuff. Mm-hmm. So also the energy to reach out was not necessarily open for people. And for me, it was just learning to say, I need help
0: was a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that is so powerful, and I'm so grateful that you found the strength within yourself to just ask for help and reach out to your community and let them know this is what's happening. And I think, you know, also I call it like the strong friend syndrome when everyone's so used to um, you being the independent one, like, no, she's good, she's strong, she's fine. You know what I mean? And nobody checks on you. It, it's so hard to be the first person to say listen guys i need help and you know just saying it out loud um so I'm, I'm i'm very um grateful that you shared that with us and that you actually did it and found strength in your community and in professional health that's um therapy girl After the year we just had, I know as an entrepreneur and a leader, things got real lonely, really fast. Uncertainty has become the order of the day and yet we must continue to not only survive but thrive. So as a leader, who do you turn to to fill your cup, to give you inspiration, to teach you and to mentor you? We have created a community just for this very reason, to support each other, to hold each other accountable, and to be each other's cheerleaders. This group is called the Africana Women Visionaries because we're looking past the storm and are focused on the vision we have for our companies and the African continent. Join the Africana Women Visionaries free Facebook group to learn more now back to the conversation i guess on a lighter note um i was very curious so back when you were working for christian science monitor you took a trip a road trip from boston to was it la where is it where did you go la yes and first of all, like I love a good adventure, but girl, I don't know about that—a <laughs> whole road trip across the states. But I just wanted to find out from you what was that experience like, and just tell us a little bit about that.
1: Chulu, your research is on point. Ah, girl, you do your research. Um, ah, gosh, this road trip. So it started in. I was already. It started because one of my closest friends in the office was being moved to la to report in la Mm -hmm. and so it was this sort of trip i had time off and so it was this trip that her and her her, me and i think two other people were supposed to take just move her to la from boston where we lived yeah and you know this Amer- I'd never been to the West Coast and this American road trip. You know, image, You know, we have images of what that is yeah. like. And then the office heard that we were going. Oh, and, right. and they were like, oh, two journalists on the road. Why don't you write a story about it? And you we were yeah. like, oh, we're going to have to work through it. Which, you know what, worked <laughs> out because yeah. they paid for everything. And we could still pick that's our so. routes. OK. Um, and but we we had to work the whole time. And basically, it was the first time I got a cover story, actually, with ah, the magazine. Yeah, because we were writing about what it means, to, what how American millennials are viewing life, et cetera, et cetera. But it was amazing. We went from Boston, which is Massachusetts and into New York into Pennsylvania, briefly, Ohio, some of those middle states that are flat for mm. them. And then into um, St. Louis, Chicago, it was just beautiful. And yeah. I, I really would love more than anything to do the same kind of trip in Africa, you know, right there those road trips from North to South. I don't think I want to do all of that, but I at least would like to go from Nairobi all the way down and just stop Mm -hmm. and and eat and talk to people and connect. Uh, I think that would be completely fabulous. So it took us about a week and a half to do the whole road trip and it was really excellent. I had fun.
0: Yeah, so did you just like walk up to people randomly and just be like, oh, we've got a question for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as in that's journalism you just talk to people. So we'd be and of course you get used to rejection because when people are like mm, I'm you must be um, you know trying to sell me something or no I'm not interested in your religion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and it'd be my fr- <laughs> my friend who I was traveling with was a bit nervous about going up to people. So we'd like go into a cafe and sit and be like do they look like millennials? How old do they look? We should talk to them. But you just, but what the funny thing is, and I don't even think it's an American thing. People are friendly in the world. Just tell them, hey, my name is this. I'm working on a story like on this. I'd love to talk to you about your experience doing whatever. And as you know, Chulu, with the podcast, people are not always often asked about themselves. And so they feel so honored that someone would bother even asking them as something as simple as what coffee do you prefer to drink in the morning? It, yeah. it tells you a lot in terms of like people don't get opportunities to talk about themselves. And once they get going, it's hard to keep them quiet, actually, <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> what
0: was the favorite, your favorite person that you met? Gosh, this trip.
1: I don't even know what state we were in anymore. It was one of those middle states that's flat, maybe Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mm-hmm. route 84, which is a famous route where like bike motorcycle okay group of motorcyclists go mm-hmm. and drive American style. And we followed one group because it was very strange because they were all Asian. Yeah. And like, what is this Asian group that's just going? So we followed them for like two hours, just trying to figure mm-hmm. out where they were going. And it turned out um, that they were this like Chinese, Japanese. Um, OK. Like friends, best friends who were just coming to America to road trip. But wow. the most interesting person was their host, the guy who was actually taking them up and down mm-hmm. the trip because he was uh, he was just a really cool, interesting guy who had done a lot in life. Um, gosh, there are just so many interesting places and experiences. I, I just, I wasn't prepared for this, so I'm trying to remember. But that's the one that comes to mind at this point. In
0: yeah, time. yeah. But tell me about journalism. You know, you talk about um, taking a road less traveled. How did you come to, you know, to find yourself in this world of journalism?
1: Yeah, and I don't even do a lot of journalism as much anymore. I use the skill set a a lot, but Mm -hmm. I don't do it as much. My thing is I was I was always good at many things. But the thing that I didn't have to think about was writing and I think deep down I wanted to become like a mm-hmm. novelist, but I didn't have the balls really to do it. Because mm-hmm. um, how do you make money as a novelist? We don't know. But at least journalism you can track that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And um, and one of my mentors was a, a lady who was quite well known in the news in the U.S. Her name was Gwen Ifill and
0: okay hold up right there you need to tell the story of how you met Gwen you're not going to pass that one back uh,
1: yeah Gwen so Gwen is so I for a long time I thought I was going to go into finance and then you know let me go work on Wall Street or something and then realized like well, this is really not what I want to do so it was a summer where I was home and uh, an internship that I didn't end up taking. And my mom was like, you're not just going to sit in this house, go somewhere to yeah. figure out a job. And I was in, so I nearby, and she knew like journalism. I'd always done school newspaper and so forth. So mm. She was like, go, go check up this TV station nearby, which was a PBS affiliate in DC, Washington, DC, where we were." So I was going for this position, which I think in hindsight was like an internship with Ken Burns, the documentary, documentarist, Mm -hmm. because it was his films were in the same place. But at this time, who is Ken Burns? Who is Gwen Ifill? It was nothing to me. And so I was on the elevator on my way up and this other black woman entered the elevator and she asked me where I'm going. And I was like fifth floor. And she was like, she basically dragged me to be interviewed by someone. And I went through the interview process and so forth, but it turns out I didn't go to the right interview. She dragged me to be interviewed for her show, really. She
0: hijacked.
1: She hijacked me (laughs) too. And I did not know this because I was like, oh, she must know where I'm going. And it was um, 2008. Yeah. So this was um, and she was very big in the political journalism space. So that year, this is now when Obama is about to become president. And so she was the lady who did the vice presidential, the moderator, the vice presidential debates between Mm -hmm. um, Palin and now President Biden. And so I was so I got a job with her. And what serendipity that was, I don't know what she saw in me. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, you're going to come work for me. And I stayed that summer. And then I even took a semester off of school cause I was like, this is the best um, internship. This is an election year. I am on the inside. I want to do this. And I think that's why I went into journalism Mm. Um, And that's why I fell. I think I fell in love with her more than I fell in love with journalism and that experience, because I think Mm. I've always been chasing that high of Mm. what that experience was like for me. And she was a force. She was the first. She would like force. She would tell me to come to meetings to take notes for her. But I know she but which was not necessary Mm -hmm. and it would be like meetings with like the board and so forth and my internship had nothing to do with that but i would go to these meetings and she was like the only black woman among a Mm -hmm. sea of white men just in charge yeah putting them in their place showing them who's boss and that was just so so important to me and I didn't realize until many years later that she was sponsoring me. Like she would make calls on my behalf. She would mm. inter- make sure sometimes people would like meet me and be like, come, come. And I would be like, I'm so lucky. But really, it was Gwen had made a call beforehand and so forth. So she's sometimes you just meet i don't think mentor is the right word sometimes you just meet angels in your industry or in your life who are just like i'm going to pour into you and mm. if you do you're so lucky to get that and if you can't tell them thank you because i never got a chance to tell her thank you because oh. so she was she passed a couple of years ago because she was sick but she didn't tell anyone she oh. was sick
0: and See, i'm gonna start crying here uh-huh. okay go ahead
1: She was sick and i remember this was before i moved to kenya the last time i saw her i was like i'm moving and she started crying and i was like oh okay she never cried she was never a crier but then at the time i in hindsight now i know she was already ill Mm -hmm. you know and so you know if there are people in your life who are just angels who advocate for you who just Mm -hmm. come through for you for no reason and not wanting anything in return, just say thank you, honor them. Give this, what's the saying? Give them their flowers yeah. and are alive, alive. And then also replicate that as well. If there's people in your life who show promise, sometimes all a person needs is just someone to be like, you've got this, keep showing up, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can do that for others, definitely do. I know I haven't been doing it enough. But it just makes such a difference in in one's life. There's so much crying in this interview. My goodness.
0: I know. And I'm crying now. <laughs> I, you know, I just find it so beautiful that you know someone can, you know, be in an elevator and just see this young girl and see something deeper. Whatever your conversation was. There's something that really just resonated with her that she thought, listen, I need to take her up with me. So as I'm breaking these glass ceilings, I'm reaching back and I'm taking this young lady with me, put, putting her in boardroom, seeing what it looks like for a Black woman to be in a leadership position like that. And it's...
1: and I, I, I have to cry... I I didn't know, you know, I did not know who she was. And even once I started the job, I was like, I don't know who the hell this lady is. I just did not know who she was and how important she was. And honestly, she, if she had just chosen that day to just be in the elevator with me and then come out, Mm -hmm. she changed my whole life trajectory by that one decision. Because after that, I went back to school, worked at the TV station there, applied to Columbia journalism. There's just things that I started to do. I don't even think I'd be working and podcasting and so forth, because everything tracks back to a lot of what she's taught me over the years. So like, people can really just change your life in one second. Um, And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that I was lucky enough to know her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think also something that I I, am getting from your story is the the bravery to show up for yourself. Like, yeah, your mom did push you and say, listen, you ain't gonna sit here the whole holiday. <laughs> but, you know, there are times that, you know, I I, get, I send out like opportunities, there's this opportunity, that opportunity, but people don't actually show up. But when you do just take yourself, go and show up, you just never know what can open up for you. Yeah.
1: yeah. I agree. Even and I think even more importantly is show up even when you're not ready
0: mm-hmm. because
1: well, there was no way I was ready for that interview, but I showed up. Oh, my job was to be in that elevator that day. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was all God was asking of me for that day. And if if I it was easy for me to just roll over and be like, I'm sleeping this summer, you know, I don't know, you know, <laughs> you know, I just get to hang. Um, just show up when you're not ready um and just be your your best self if you can and sometimes yeah. things work out sometimes they don't but
0: you never know in this never world know. Oh, okay that's a beautiful place for us to start winding down <laughs> in the and oh, it's passed so quickly so i say I like i'm like a nosy so anyway
1: <laughs> this is great
0: so in the Africana women community, we have a little saying that is know your roots, grow your purpose. And I have some quick fire questions for you. They're just four of them. So just tell us whatever comes to your mind. You ready? Okay. All right, Paula, BPC,
1: correct. Like- <laughs> <laughs> no, you can say whatever you want. Come All right, OZ.
0: Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. So what are you rooted to?
1: I what okay, what am I rooted to? Uh, I am I am deeply rooted in my family Mm -hmm. and and who and where I have come from, Mm -hmm. because I am where I am because people made certain decisions that brought me here. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this saying that I I learned in the US is like, specifically around for specifically for black women, um, Mm -hmm. when you know, when you enter a boardroom where you, you don't see people like you just know you're walking in with Hundreds and thousands who came before you, and I do like that saying, and I think yeah. it's the same. I whoever you are, yeah.
0: So, I come as one and stand as ten thousand, Maya. Angelou. Oh
1: yes, it's Maya Angelou. Thank you. Um, and so for me, and it's ten thousand in terms of the people in my family, and that's who I am. Extremely rooted to in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> what are your favorite ways to nourish your spirit, your mind, and your body?
1: To nourish my spirit is... Spirit, mind, and body. Okay. To nourish my spirit um, is reading. Mm-hmm. I think that just nourishes me spiritually in all kinds of books. It's just being with a book is, is a holy endeavor, I think. Yeah. And reading is a spiritual giving, I think. For my mind, um, meditation, being outside with nature, it yeah. does that for me. Um, and then for my body, Wait, the, that when I wake up and I stretch, mm. not waking up, stretching, that just nourishes me because I have this thing where when I stretch and I wake up, I check in and I say, "What hurts?" Mm. And then I ask, what doesn't hurt? What feels good? So whether it's my fingers are arthritic, whether it's my period pains, whether it's my back, I check in with my whole mm. body, and that for me just nourishes that check-in nourishes me fully. Yeah.
0: mm mm-hmm. that, Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Take that one. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a weakness that became your superpower? Uh, I think
1: I'm coming to terms with how I'm weird, and I was always ex- embarrassed about how weird I was and quirky, um, and I really am. And I used to try so hard to hide it from people. Mm -hmm. But then what has always been great is that I can spot someone who is weird from across the room and who feels uncomfortable. And I'm very good at blocking everyone out and being like, I'm going to make you feel comfortable in the ways I can make myself feel comfortable in this moment. So I guess that's a super strength. And then yeah. but i'm learning
0: also to accept myself a lot more lately so yeah. yeah okay and the last one what do you know for sure well that's from the oprah book right
1: what do i know for sure um today what i know for sure is that um there is a lesson in everything um There's this day that I'm dreading. Mm. And and, sorry, the lesson is that you get to decide what something means to you. My Mm. reason for that is that there's this day that's coming that I am completely dreading. I have the worst feelings about it and so forth. And I was with my therapist yesterday and I told her I'm going to disengage everywhere for that day. No one will see me that day. Mm -hmm. And then she said, so what are you going to do once you've disengaged? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit at home in the dark under your covers? And I was like, oh, like I'm allowed to do something. And so her homework was basically go plan a day for yourself. Yeah. Great day for yourself. And suddenly I spent a lot of today planning it, And I have the best day that's about to come in a couple of weeks that I have planned. And and, and suddenly this day that I was dreading so, so much Mm -hmm. has turned into a day that I am looking forward to. So honestly, everything is perspective. You get Uh, to decide what something means to you, how you respond to something, you really get to decide. And it's just a simple mind shift. That I know for sure today. Maybe not tomorrow, but definitely today. Yeah.
0: Oh, Paula, you are phenomenal. You're like... Ah, I just love learning from you and getting to know you better. And I'm so grateful that we, our paths crossed and we met. And thank you so, so much for coming on the Africana Woman podcast. Can you please tell the audience where they can find out about what you are doing, how they can contact you, and if you've got any programs that you have, um, let us know.
1: Yeah. So you can follow me at Kali Boss, which is at K-A-L-I-B-A-W-S-E on on Twitter or Instagram. That's where I am. And I have so many things in the works that I can't really talk about just yet. But one thing you can look forward to, I guess, is I'm working on a podcast about African female writers and we've been able to interview some of Africa's best writers. Every time they say, yes, I'm shocked. And that's coming very, very soon in 2020. So if you listen to this sometime later in 2020, you'll know exactly what podcast (laughs) I'm talking about. Um, And yeah, if it's anything to do with Africa and podcasting, that's my forte, that's my thing definitely look out for me and reach out however you want in, on those social media um, um, networks that I mentioned. Yeah, and I'm very, I respond to DMs,
0: so. Yeah, and <laughs> but- guys, Africa PodFest is coming up, so could we get a bit more info?
1: Yes, Africa PodFest, which I co-founded, is is the continent's first podcast festival. And we were supposed to have our first one in person last year in March in Nairobi, but COVID came and just knocked us down. And so um, we're going to have a virtual uh, version of Podfest on February 12th, which is also Africa Podcast Day. And so you can definitely go check that out at africapodcastfestival.com.
0: Awesome. Okay, we have come to the end of this wonderful discussion. Always a pleasure talking to you, Paula. And I hope you'll be able to come back to the podcast in the future. And again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Chulu. This was great. I am so honored to have had been
0: a guest on your show. Thank you. Did you enjoy that conversation with Paula? She is a beautiful human being. Please reach out to her on social media at Cali Media. Let her know you heard her on Africana Woman Podcast and tell her what you learned from the conversation. We talked about hitting rock bottom. I think it is so important to realize there will always be ups and downs in life. Therefore, it helps to plan ahead as best as possible. My dear sister, dean Mercier, the chief grief crusader, calls it a grief action plan. So, I want you to make a plan by answering these three questions. If you find yourself in a situation where you hit rock bottom, 1. Who are the people that you can reach out to and be completely honest with about what is going on in your life. Two, what are the things you will absolutely not do to get out of the situation? This is creating boundaries. Three, what activities can you do to process the emotions you are experiencing at the rock bottom? This could be journaling, taking a walk, singing whatever works for you okay remember we're making this plan ahead of time so as if we do hit rock bottom we can take it out and follow our own guidelines and instructions when we were in a better state of mind i hope this blesses you let me know how it goes Thank you so much for making us part of your day by listening in. I truly appreciate you. Please help me get the word out about Africana Woman Podcast. All you have to do is take a screenshot of this episode and post about it on your socials. Don't forget to tag me at Chulu by Design. Now you know my playground is Instagram, yeah? <laughs> If you want to chat with me personally, drop me a line. So until next week, I want you to remember, know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Olendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on olendocreative.com.